Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned, Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I'm always high on the hogs, guys. <laughs> I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Tommy, Chuck, and Ty, you guys are the gold standards of sports talk radio. He bleeds to Arkansas. Ty's got good hair. Chuck, did you have a good weekend, man? Did this result in a good or bad weekend, all this stuff we've been talking about? Oh, it's interesting right now. I mean, everything about college football right now is interesting from the fact that our team has started fall camp or preseason camp and other schools have done the same thing. And then, gosh, Friday was just, you know, it was like a cataclysmic day. I mean, I'm not sure sea change is not an understatement for what's happening in college football right now. You know, I was trying to – because it may have been the biggest day ever in conference realignment. And I, I, I only thing well, I can compare – Well, only thing I can compare – I'm trying to figure out what to compare it to. And I guess it would be the day that the teams left what was remaining of the Southwest Conference and headed to the Big 8 to make it the Big 12. I mean, we watched a conference die. I know it hadn't, you know, the Pac-12 hasn't officially went out of business, but we all know it's dead at this point. They, they've called in the priest. I mean. No more Pac-12 after dark. I mean. They're, they're, you, you well, there may be change. a Pac-12, but it's not going to be the Pac-12 as we know it. Uh, Pac-4 you know, you right may now. have, uh, well, you're, you'll, you'll have different teams. You know, they'll go get Boise State. Uh, they'll go get some others that maybe they've resisted in the past. Um, I don't know that there will be a Pac-12 that they call the Pac-12, but or the Pac-8. You know, if you want to go back to the old days, but it's not going to be the Pac-4. I'm sure of that. And um, you know, it's it's really incredible what happened since 2000. There have been 15 schools that have switched Power Five conferences or gone into a Power Five conference. 14 as of Friday will switch conferences over the course of the next 12 to 18 months. And I mean, on the, on the field. And it's not done. I mean, it's not over. Something's got to give with the ACC. That's next. And they will either find a way to patch it together and survive, or the same thing will happen to the ACC that happened to the Pac-12. And when you think about this from a, from a big-picture perspective, Pac-12 in football, founded in 1915. You think about the storied history of that conference. And then you couple that with the fact that ACC basketball may be going away. The most storied conference in college basketball may be going away, at least in the form that we know it now. And this is beyond radical change i'm not sure it's good and there have yeah. been a lot of people that have said a lot of things over the weekend and um our buddy eli drinkwitz had some things to say up at mizzou and oh. i think he's right and i think some others who've said some things are too well, well and we'll get into all those one thing i was thinking as you were laying it out there is who got better on friday the big 12 or the big 10 who had the better day? Because I'm going to tell you, I'm pretty impressed with what's happened with the Big 12 in the last, I don't know how many months they've been working on this behind the scenes, but what we've learned in the last month or two, I thought they were heading towards their deathbed, and they've done anything but rebound stronger than anyone expected, in my Well, opinion. they've, uh, I mean, they're on a scavenger hunt right now, and I mean, they're, uh, hey, if you live and breathe, they'll take you. It's kind of what it seems like right now. Oregon, or pardon me, Oregon and Washington really was, 
it was a survival. You know, it was a case of survival for them because I think their situation going into the Big Ten is interesting. They're only getting a half share. Mm-hmm. You know, until there's a new television contract negotiated, they're only going to get 50% of the television revenue, which is going to be about $30 million. Better than what they, they are, were going to get. With, well, now, with hang Pac-12. on a minute. No, not really. Not really. And here's why. Because they were going to get about $23 million that was they negotiated up to 25 but it's going to cost them an estimated 10 million dollars to travel to these big 10 venues so these schools very quickly went from 30 million to 20 million in terms of actual profit this is not about the money right now for Oregon and Washington this is about having a place to land mm-hmm. because the music's about to stop and they're trying to find a chair. And so for them, it's going to be a while before they really reap their financial rewards of going to the Big Ten. They jumped off a sinking ship, and they were fortunate in that they were able to find a place to land. But this is one instance, two instances, I guess, where short-term, it's not just about the money. Uh, It goes way beyond the money because it right now, I mean, you're in the middle of an explosion and everybody's just looking for a place to hide and looking for a safe spot. And those schools in the ACC are next. And I hate it. You know, I think it's gone way too far. I, I think what happened Friday was, uh, in my opinion, was a bad day for college sports. But uh, that's how it is now, and we've all got to adjust to it. But there's more coming. And Clemson and Florida State are right at the top of the list of what may be happening next. And Virginia and North Carolina probably aren't far behind. Well, right, so, so you've done a bunch of research on this over the weekend. I, I still can't. I've read a lot about it. I, I still can't get around how Florida State, Clemson, or any of those other schools are going to navigate around that grant of rights unless ESPN somehow waives a lot of this money. Because the, well, the, fee, the fee to X is pretty, I mean, $120 million. Florida State has hired Thomas Mars. Those of you who follow law in Arkansas, those of you who know your, your, uh, your, your political history in Arkansas, know Thomas Mars' name. Thomas Mars, over the course of the last five, ten years, has become a high-powered attorney, uh, an expert in transfer portal, NIL, all this stuff you heard about Northwestern and their players and all that stuff. He was right in the middle of all that. Florida State's hired him. I think what you're going to see in the state of Florida and South Carolina and maybe some of the other states as well, they're going to try to declare what amounts to sovereign immunity. In other words, their state legislature is going to shield them from some of these contracts that they've entered into, uh, that they did not specifically enter into these contracts. They think they found a loophole. That's the reason they're emboldened right now. That's the reason they're saying what they're saying, that it's about, um, you know, when, not if. Um, They think they found a loophole to get out of it. I don't know if they have or not, but they think they have. But the ACC is where it's coming next. And there is going to be maneuvering. This idea that this contract that all these schools are bound to is just going to paralyze them, that's not going to happen. The lawyers are going to go to work, and that's uh, I predict that that grant rights deal will not be as critical when you get right down to the end of the game as a lot of people think it will be. But the ACC's next, and we'll see what happens there. I hope, I really do hope, what happened to the Pac-12 does not happen to the ACC. I don't think what happened Friday's good. I, I I tend to agree with that, but the SEC just sits here, Pat, guys, at 16. It, 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 does the SEC need teams 17 and 18? Well, do they I, need to grow towards 20 like these other? Is there pressure to do that, or is your roster so quality-laden, so so filled with the good teams that it doesn't – you don't have to do anything. Chuck, you mentioned the, and the, the important part of Washington and Oregon coming over is in initially they're not going to make the full amount of revenue. And I I thought that was more in the ballpark of 40, 50, because it's estimated to make a 80, 100 million for the Big Ten, but maybe it is 30. 
That was what I brought up with Clemson. That's the half share. That's the half share. Uh, yeah, I know, but the, if it's the 80, it was projected 80. I haven't to heard 80. I, okay. I, I haven't seen what I saw. 60, 60 million is where it's been. The point is, Ty, we're keeping score through dollars and cents, and that's not what this is about. Yeah. It's not what it should be about. Let me tell you something. These schools like Washington and Oregon, their days of winning 10 games are over. The years of Oregon being a 10- and 11-win team, not going to happen anymore. The years of Washington sneaking in, winning the Pac-12, going to the Rose Bowl, not going to happen anymore. And these fan bases, here in about three or four years, well, they're going to wonder why we're not winning like we were before. And they're going to start cycling through coaches, just like a lot of teams and a lot of schools have done. And what they're going to find is, is that they're not going to win as many games. And five years from now, it's not going to look as pretty as it does today because here's the deal. Fans don't share in those winnings. They don't share in those winnings. This is about administrators making million-dollar salaries. It's about bloated athletic departments. That's what this money's about. Well, It's not going into the fans' pockets. Nobody's getting a ticket rebate. You know, nobody's, uh, uh, you know, they're not cutting prices because they're making more TV money. Well, I think it was Dennis and Springdale or one of the texts we had. We've had several flood in here in the last few minutes suggested the idea on the McClarty Daniel hotline that we'll end up paying extra, whether it's pay-per-view or in, increased cost to get our mm-hmm. cable. We're going to pay for all of this because ESPN or Fox in large part is going to pay for a lot of this revenue that's just being thrown around like Monopoly money. In the end, we're going to pay for pay for this, and I think we'll we'll see a restructuring of how we subscribe or how we um, make sure that the games we want to watch are on our TV, whether it's through a streaming service or through our cable plan or satellite plan. That's all going up too soon. Just just buckle up; it's coming. See, I think we're focusing again on money things at the start, and that's understandable. But I think that four or five years from now. I really do think our mood on this is a collective fan base, and I'm talking about just college football fans nationwide, whoever your team is. Teams aren't going to win as many games. You're not going to have as many championships. Uh, Teams are going to end their seasons with losses now if they get into the playoff. It's now, of course, if you get into the playoff, you're probably going to be content or at least be somewhat content. But my point is, is there are going to be a lot of disappointed fans because the days of competing for rings and titles are over. They're done. And, you know, I mentioned a little bit ago, 15 teams since 2000 have moved into from one conference to a Power Five conference. Some of them have been lateral moves. Do you realize only four of those 15 have improved their winning percentage? And three of those are from the ACC. The only school out there of any real note that has improved their winning percentage since switching conferences is Texas A&M. They have benefited more from switching conferences than any team in the history of realignment, in my opinion. There are 14 teams over the next two years that are going to move into new conferences. Go down the list. Find me half of them that are going to improve their conference record, their overall record. You're not going to find them. There will be probably five at the most who will improve their overall winning percentage as a result of moving conferences. Fans, in many respects, frankly, I I, I hate to use the word tricked, but they're paying attention to the wrong scoreboard because five years from now, you're not going to care how much your school's making if your team's not winning as many games. And that's what's about to happen to some of these schools. And this is the double-edged sword. And all these administrators that are counting all this money right now, they're going to have to figure out ways to keep their fan bases happy when nine wins goes to seven, when seven goes to five, and when 11 goes to eight because that's about to happen to a lot of these schools. So I guess in the, the case of the Arkansas fan listening, where you have a losing record in the Southeastern Conference, you did not have a losing record in the Southwest Conference. The survival aspect that you presented earlier, Arkansas needed to move from that because, Frank, 
has been open and honest that they were not going to be invited to the Big 12. Don't know where well, you went in. That was 31 years ago, Ty. We're talking about but this, it's what's the, happening. The same the example now. is for the Arkansas fan listening. The same example is exactly what's happened in front of your own eyes the last 31 years. Is that Arkansas is that exact example that you presented? Well, I think Arkansas that goes without saying. Yeah, I, I think that goes without saying, and, and 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 we're not the only one. It's been that way for lots of schools. Um, ask Nebraska, ask Miami, ask some of these other schools that have moved into conferences, and you're just not going to win as many games. Couldn't it's you, just not going to happen. Can you make an argument that that would lead to more parity if you have more teams with more losses well, and makes the conferences better? Because these teams, like Washington's made a college football playoff, Oregon's made a college football playoff, and now they're going to have to go up against the likes of Ohio State, Michigan, go to Ann Arbor, and go to Columbus. their days of making the playoff are over. We'll see. I mean, I, I think it's a little, I think it's a little hasty to jump on that train initially because we haven't seen the full, again, yeah. effect of what's happening in college football because we haven't even seen a full effect of this year because we'll see it next year when the Oklahoma and Texas joins the Southeastern Conference, yeah. and then we'll see what happens in the the Big Ten and then Big Twelve. It's it's no, we're near the case of the. The Big Ten and the, the Southeastern. Do you Conference. like parity in, in the NFL? Do you like that? I love seeing Cincinnati two years ago or three years ago being the worst team in the National Football League, and then Joe Burrow getting healthy and them going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. I love seeing that. That's the the NFL is a better product than college football, hands down. And I, I I'm a college football fan. I love college football more than the NFL, but it's not close because any given team that was dog, you know what, the year before can somehow, someway, make the playoffs and wind up in the Super Bowl. You don't have that in college football. TCU... Yeah, I think the NFL's boring. I think parity's boring. Well, that's the ratings... Me. That's you. But the ratings argue every bit against that. Ratings destroy college football. It's I not close. I don't disagree with that. And so... But most of those come from metropolitan areas. Yes. They don't come from our, our, our neck of the way. We're getting sidetracked here. Yeah. Um, but um, I do think that there are going to be a lot of fans who are going to just have to come to the realization that their days of winning 9, 10, 11 yeah. games may be done. Chuck, you brought up the the, uh, the Rose Bowl a minute ago. You know, the the Big Ten, the Pac-12 have been partners in that bowl for, for years, and they seem to have a lot of ruling of the roost uh, in college football. I don't know what, what their steps or their measures are going to be, and I know the college football playoffs going to change a lot of things, but now they you have one of the granddaddy, the granddaddy of them all with a conference that really um, – isn't going to fit into the structure of what we've always known the Rose Bowl to be. Well, I think the Rose Bowl will always be part of the playoff. And uh, that's that's the game that they'll get. That's the game that they'll have. The days of the, you know, they'll still call themselves the granddaddy of them all. But I think that um, the Rose Bowl from this point forward is going to be a college football playoff site. It's certainly not going to be Big Ten, Pac-12. Yeah. Well, I'd love, I, and I, I agree with what you say because of the expanded playoff. But wouldn't it be great if the SEC jumped in there and had that tie that's with the Big Twin? That's what people are insinuating that that's going to happen. Well, it's going to be one of these playoff locations, but uh, that'd be nice if, if, if the SEC got to rotate out there every now and then. Well, again, the Big Ten is is good from their standpoint of a competition, them adding Oregon and Washington over the weekend. We're, we're comparing the two conferences, and it's still not close. It's not close between the Big Ten and the SEC and the three major sports. You look at baseball. You look at football, basketball even. I know the SEC struggled a little bit in basketball as of late getting to the championships or Final Four, but the SEC has dominated two of the three major sports, and the Big Ten has come up short time and time again. I don't know why we keep comparing the two over and over. It's, it's a landslide. It's not even I'm close not when you look at the championship it. comparisons. I'm not comparing them, never have. And that's one of the reasons that I think, for example, when people started talking about, well, should the SEC look west? No. This is a fight between the Big 12 and the Pac-12. Let them fight it out. Uh, if the Big 10 wants to take Washington and Oregon and give them a half share, let them. Do Washington and Oregon make the Big 10 stronger? I don't know. Maybe. Big 10, look. They make more television revenue than the SEC, and the SEC wins all the championships. Um, I'll take that trade. We make plenty of money as a conference. SEC makes plenty of money. If the Big Ten makes a little bit more, so what? That's not the scoreboard I care about. 
And I don't think it's the scoreboard fans care about. You presented They're the, all filthy, stinking rich. Yeah, yeah, the half share that Oregon and Washington are initially getting coming over, what I was trying to get to earlier, would that be an idea, assuming the grain of rights that you've mm-hmm. talked about gets worked out, would that be more attractable to the current conference members and Greg Sankey them office to offer Clemson and Florida State that? Or if you come in the league, you can join the league, but you're not getting the... What is it, 70, 80 million that the SEC well, is going to make? It'll grow to that. Yeah. yeah. So well, it's going to be not... hard to do that in the wake of giving Texas and Oklahoma pretty much everything they've asked for. It's going to be hard to do that. I hear what you're saying, and the Big Ten, I'm sure, could very well set a precedent in that respect. But whether or not it would happen, yeah. I don't know. But, I, I mean, we're speaking real theoretically about things that we're really not knowledgeable about. But to answer your question, theoretically, could it have an effect? Yeah, I'm sure it yeah. could. But do I think it will? I don't know enough Cle- about it to say. Clemson and Florida State don't really have a choice. Well, they, they, if, they have nothing to stand on at this point unless they, well, they get that they counter. Do. Unless they, they think they do. Well, we don't know enough about the legalese to know if they have a leg to stand on or not. We're I'm, just repeating what we've read in, on ESPN.com. We don't know. We're going to have to let the lawyer sort this out. I'm talking about from a potential counteroffer from the Big Ten, which if that's the case, if that's the precedent that's been set, the Big Ten's not all of a sudden going to offer Florida State and Clipson full membership payouts when they just offered Oregon and Washington that. So if the eight... If the two members, Clemson and Florida State, are trying to, again, join either the Big Ten or the SEC, and they both and the Big Ten offers that half share, like I just mentioned, then they don't have anywhere else to go. The, the, the difference is Florida State and Clemson, I think we'd all agree without argument that they're, they're more national brands, they're more... They're, they're just bigger brands than Oregon and Washington. Correct, right? yeah. So, and also, the, the whole thing that drives all of this at the end, when you get down to the root, it's two-thirds of the American population still live east of the Mississippi River. Where are all these schools and these conferences we're talking about? You know, they're all east of the Mississippi River with the Big Ten, primarily the Big Ten, and then the SEC straddles it, I understand, but the, the base of the conference is still east of there. I don't know what percentage of the country lives west of the Rockies, but that's the whole problem that the Pac-12 has. Well, that's the one thing that gives perhaps the ACC a chance to survive. Mm. When I say the ACC is next, I mean they're the next to have to battle. And they may be able to battle. I don't know. Um, But Clemson and Florida State are valuable football properties. And we don't know enough about the negotiations and all that to say they don't have any choice. I, I hear what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. I'm just saying I'm not sure we know enough to say that's absolutely true yet. During the summer months, I know many of you are active, going to the lake, going to the beach. And if you want to live a healthier lifestyle and look better on these occasions, then I've got just the meal kit for you. It's Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. And you can get 50% off your order right now using the code HTL50. Just go to factormeals.com slash HTL50 and get 50% off. You're going to save trips to the grocery store. Your meals are going to be ready in about two minutes. They're fresh, never frozen. Plus, they have over 34 weekly restaurant options like bruschetta shrimp risotto and grilled steakhouse filet mignon. They have keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie options. Don't forget about breakfast and start your day right with Factor. Take 50% off right now. Factormeals.com slash HTL50. That's Factormeals.com slash HTL50 and get 50% off. Call or text the McClarty Daniel hotline at 877-377-6963. McClarty Daniel, a vehicle for every lifestyle. When you're looking for a new car, you want to shop for a vehicle you love with an organization you trust. You've probably heard that McCarty Daniel means making deals, but what I'm inspired by the most is that McCarty Daniel means making a difference in our community. When you buy a vehicle with McCarty Daniel, you reinvest right here in the community, in our schools, in our little leagues, in our food banks, and our people. So you're not just making a purchase, you're making a difference too. Come see us at any of our six locations in Northwest Arkansas. 
Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. And just to come back on this realignment situation, for those that missed it on Friday, Oregon and Washington heading to the Big Ten, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah heading to the Big 12. A lot has changed in the last few days, and that's currently where we are on the college football side of things. Another angle you have to approach when it comes to this is we've talked about NIL being a big issue, and we're seeing these different things. I know revenue sharing has been brought up, being employees of the school. That's Some of this has happened. Some of this is coming at this point, and I know we've, we've mentioned Tommy Tuberville and um, Senator Macon's new bill that's being proposed, but they're also trying to get ahead and get out in front of the potential more money that it's going to cost I think with just NIL and players in college football that's something else you got to think about well one of the things that has to be considered as a byproduct of all this realignment is you better give up the idea that you're going to rein in NIL in the transfer portal if schools can leave at the drop of a hat Every time you turn on the news, you hear figures like 30, 40, 50, 80 million dollars being tossed around. You think those players are going to be content with a salary cap? Give me a break. Of course they're not. So, I mean, all this stuff works hand in hand. And don't think the players aren't watching and don't think those that represent them aren't watching. I just think when you see radical realignment like this and when you look at one of the end results, which generally speaking is those within the athletic department perhaps get raises, particularly those in the higher positions. Um, I think it's, um, I just think there's a lot more coming on this. And I'll that, just put it that way. That's one of the things that Eli Drinkowitz was talking about. And he was right. Yeah. And yeah. he also, again, touched on what we've been kind of talking about. How, how does it affect the other sports? And you're talking about volleyball, baseball, softball, track. I mean, all, all those other sports, man, they're not fortunate in, to travel like the way we do. Football be fine. Football be fine. Still, we count the cost of the collateral damage of everybody else. I don't know. Only time will tell. But that is my biggest, like, looking at it going 24 hours after, say, did we really think about that? I don't think we did. Yeah, but you don't have a choice because if can you imagine being the president or the AD at Oregon State this morning or Cal or Stanford when the music is virtually stopped and you have no seat at the table. I mean, it's your job to protect your interest in your university. And I wouldn't want to be on that watch. I wouldn't want to be in that spot where now my school, the school I'm charged to be responsible for, is irrelevant this morning. Stanford, well, they've Cal, got someone Oregon to blame. Sta- yeah, but they've got someone to blame. But you, you know, it's your job as the AD mm-hmm. and the president to look out for that. And and you're going to lose your job as a result of not being able to latch on, even in a, with a half share to the Big Ten. Um, you know, that's why these moves are being made as quickly as possible. You don't want to be written into history in a, in a way with your university that, uh, hey, he was on watch when this whole thing went down. So you're talking about, are you talking about the Pac-12 commissioner, Chuck? You yeah, I think you blame playing? the last two commissioners, and I think with good okay. reason. Um, you know, the Pac-12 made some mistakes here. And, you know, they... Um, uh, they hired a couple of guys in succession because they were supposedly experts um, at handling media negotiations. And that was their area of expertise. And it didn't work out either time for them. So the, the, the conference really failed those schools. And once they had their meeting, what, a week, 10 days ago, and they presented that proposal to them, at that point it was every man for himself. I mean, it was every man for himself at that point. And as we said, you know, as, as, as I said last week, Washington and Oregon as states are not college football hotbeds. It doesn't mean they don't have excited fan bases, and it doesn't mean in 
places like Seattle and, and uh, Eugene that, that, that there's not a big market for college football, but states, their mood, what they talk about every day. It's not college football like it is in other places. And as a result, there's only going to be one school. There's only going to be one school out of those states that goes. Now, Oregon State may end up in the Big 12. And I think there's a possibility for Washington State to end up in the Big 12, too. But the idea that those two schools were attractive enough for the Big 10, I mean, Oregon and Washington are barely there. And Oregon State and Washington State, respectfully, and I know they'd cringe, uh, they're the little brothers in those states. And in this case, little brother didn't get in. No. Pullman and uh, Corvallis aren't exactly the uh, the most attractable towns as in college football brands as a whole to, to bring into other conferences at this point. Let's talk to John, who, or excuse me, Josh, who's in Harrison on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Josh, you've got some thoughts on the realignment stuff that's gone down the past couple of days. Yeah, good morning, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, uh, I agree with everything, a lot of things that Chuck's saying, uh, especially about the recruitment, but but honestly, in my opinion, I think it's going to hurt these guys in football as well. Uh, our kids wanting to travel all that. And, I, and, I, and one question I wanted to ask Chuck was, I've heard that UCLA is actually like building a hotel and facilities in Indiana for all these other athletes and sports. Is, is there any truth to that? Have y'all heard anything like that? And, and, and one reason why I say that I feel like it would hurt, hurt them in recruiting because these kids are wanting to stay on the West Coast. They're not wanting to go to the Midwest and, and and stay there throughout their whole season to try to cut down on traveling and stuff. And I'll just hang up and listen, guys. That's a good point. I mean, the you know, the idea that, you know, your friends from high school and, you know, all the people that you've grown up with are going to be able to come watch you play. Um, you know, you are going to play a lot of home games still. It's not as though every game is going to be a road game. But, you know, it's a long way from um, – you know, from the West Coast, you know, to Columbus, Ohio, or Ann Arbor, Michigan. It's a long way. And with the exception of Los Angeles, uh, they're connecting flights involved. Football, it will not matter. Football will not matter because um, you're going to fly home right after the ball game. And those charter flights is a lot quicker than a commercial flight. If you ever fly on a charter flight, you'll wonder where all those commercial flights are going. Because, man, those charter flights, it's a straight line. So uh, a football team can play on the East Coast, and in terms of flying time, you can be back on the West Coast and vice versa, three hours. So we're not talking about football. It's the other sports where you fly commercial, um, and you're making connecting flights, and you're playing on Sundays. And, you know, let's not make it sound like it's just a hop, skip, and a jump from from Michigan to Eugene, Oregon. I mean, we focus Mm -hmm. on Rutgers and Maryland and some of those schools over there. But, um, you know, it's not exactly a quick flight from those places unless you're on a charter. So uh, that's where, you know, we were talking about the $10 million a little bit earlier. That's where it comes from because, um, you know, you're not going to be able to afford to charter in probably any sports beyond football, men's basketball, maybe women's basketball from time to time. But um, the travel for those kids is going to be different. And how you travel is part of your recruitment. I guarantee it is. Hey, I know this, man. I wish we could bottle the weather up this morning. I mean, it feels pretty good out there this morning. It'd be nice if it felt that way the rest of August. I don't think it's going to. I'm glad Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric's around, and if you're a Pascal customer, I know you are too. When we say professional people, professional service, it's not just a slogan. It's not just a tagline. They've been around for over 50 years. If you're in northwest Arkansas particularly, you know the name Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. But if you're able to hear my voice right now, if you don't know about them yet, they're coming. They're in northwest Arkansas, the River Valley, Hot Springs, Searcy, Cabot, Newport, southwest Missouri. They're even in Dallas-Fort Worth now. Charlie Boyce is the owner, former Razorback. Razorback, great. They got a lot of Razorbacks from a lot of sports working out there, and they are pros. They're Arkansas-owned. They're Arkansas-operated. You can make your appointment at gopascal.com. And I got to believe scheduling is going to get more creative for the Big Ten. I mean, when USC goes to the East Coast or goes to Michigan or whatever to play in these non-football sports, you know they're going to they're going to pair those up. I would think you'd be able to play two or three games in one one travel set. 
I would imagine you're right about that, particularly in your non-revenue sports. Um, you know, I'll be interested to see how all that goes because I'll I'll go back to competitive balance. Um, all you've got to do, just bring it home for a minute. I mean, look locally. Look in Arkansas at the high school sports, how reclassification with travel in mind has led to, at times, competitive imbalance. And I suspect you will have that within these super conferences. There, it's going to be virtually impossible to avoid. By having four schools, though, on the West Coast, you could have pods in other sports, you know, in, in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. You could have USC, UCLA, Oregon, and, and uh, Washington. Well, they said that about the SEC, too. Yeah. But again, the reason they didn't do that was competitive balance. Well, but you're not that, crossing the Rockies either. In the yeah. No, you're right. You but, but, but my point is, and I'll go back to what I said, I think long term, there's going to be a flip side to this, and it involves competitive balance. I think that's going to be the hard lesson five, ten years from now. Fantasy football season is here, and Buffalo Wild Wings is your headquarters for your draft party. Buffalo Wild Wings has draft kits that include a draft board and player stickers. You won't go hungry with this dine-in fantasy bundle for your draft party. Get 50 traditional wings, 50 boneless wings, two trays of party wedges, party-sized chips and salsa, and a party queso dip, all for only $150. Plan your fantasy football draft party and get more details at your Buffalo Wild Wings in Fort Smith, Bryant, Little Rock, Sherwood, Conway, and Jonesboro. Buffalo Wild Wings. Beer. Wings. Football. It's Christmas in July. Give your family the gift of true comfort this summer with an HVAC system replacement from Pascal. No packages to unwrap, no batteries to buy, and no assembly required. Financing is available for as low as $99 a month and no money down with up to $2,000 in tax credits and savings. Don't wait for December. Get your holiday savings now. Schedule your free estimate today. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. No, most of you think K.J. Jefferson's primed to have a great season in 2023. He knows he's got to make some improvements. Here's a couple things he was talking about on Friday. Just becoming the quarterback. I mean, just being able to, me and him get in and just talk about ball, talk about life, talk about everything. But from a football aspect, just being able to just get in, pick his brain, see how, just knowing how he would call a game and what plays he's thinking on on third down or first down and stuff like that. So just being able to be a quarterback and him giving us the freedom and responsibility to take over in the game and control the game, whether it's something going wrong or something going good to keep that even key mindset. I was talking about new offensive coordinator Dan Enos and kind of what he's brought to the table at this point. Guys, important. Again, we're 26 days out. Uh, that continues, that relationship to continues to develop prior to the first game in Little Rock. And it's got to continue to develop as we move through the season, mm-hmm. too. And I think it will. Um, you know, They've had a lot of time together. And not just the stuff on the field, but all the video, all the stuff that a coordinator and his quarterback do. And so... I don't think that's going to be a negative. I'll just put it that way. I I, th- I think their relationship will continue to evolve, and I think it's good now, and there's no reason to think it won't continue to be. We know that Pittman and KJ have a good relationship. Here's Coach joking with his star quarterback after the presser. Get the real guys up here. KJ, can I ride in your seat on the golf cart back, or do I need to continue riding the back? Look, everybody's going to have a good relationship with KJ. I mean, he's your best player. He's your star quarterback. Of course they've got a good relationship with him. Um, Yeah, they like him. They love him. I mean, he's their meal ticket in a lot of respects. And uh, they want to keep him happy, and he wants to please them too. And I think KJ's going to have a great year. I bet Coach got a ride on that golf cart. I bet he, I bet he didn't have to walk all the way back. Yeah, what do you bet? I think they, uh, I think they rode together. It's just a matter of Coach was, was he was up front or joking if he was having to to ride in the back at that point. Well, I'll bet, I bet Coach Pittman was up front. Yeah, you've heard, you he have, may have been driving. Have you <laughs> have you driven that golf cart before, Chuck? I've not driven it. No, taking it for a uh, little ride. I hopped on the back maybe one time, once or twice. Yeah, it's like, uh, hey, wait for me. That's always funny when after uh, potentially after a, a win, you see like after he gets done with the pressure and everything else, fans are still walking out of Donald W. Reynolds Razorback Stadium. You'll see Coach and Jamie just riding along on the golf cart, and all the fans are cheering, and he's just doing the fist bump after a win. That's one of the. More fun entertainment values after a game. Uh, Arkansas didn't get to this on Friday. Got another baseball transfer, this time from Richmond. Jared Sprague-Lott. 
He is an infielder for the Spiders this past season. He hit over 300 baseball-wise, but um, this is just another addition for this upcoming baseball roster this year. Sounds like a good player. You know, sounds like a good player. I guess we'll find out. Keep it going. Football-wise, last thing here in your Hog Update, we're keeping the watch list season going. Bo Limmer has been added to the Remington Trophy watch list, given to the best center in all of college football. Several Razorbacks on watch list prior to the season. Hopefully, we'll see a few of these guys line up as finalists at the tail end of the year. But you've got some, again, some national respect heading into this year from the Arkansas football team. That's going to do it for your hog update this morning. It is brought to you by our friends at Mr. Sparky. You don't have to put up with any malarkey. Call 888-8-SPARKY. I don't make a habit to watch Guardians or Chicago White Sox games. Did you guys happen to catch the incredible call this weekend? I I heard uh, not, not only about the, talking about the fight, mm-hmm. and then there was a... Uh, Someone last night I heard talking about the tweet that uh, I guess the Cleveland uh, Police Department put out about, about they were investigating uh, someone being knocked out cold. Yeah. So so I heard a little Man, bit about it. That, that's it. Do what? I mean, he, he he put him on the ground. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he tagged him. All right. Well, if you haven't watched the video, I encourage you to do so because this call was unbelievable. Head first slide. Safe and in the score is Jimenez. And another hustle double. Right over the bag at first. Now Hosey and Anderson square off. They're fighting. They're swinging. Down goes Anderson. Down goes Anderson. Ramirez went in with a head first slide. Hosey never gets upset about anything. They came up chewing. Anderson squared off. Hosey decked him. So that's the Guardians' Jose uh, Ramirez against the White Sox. He went into team. fight mode, man. He went uh, into boxing announcer mode. It reminded me of the Jose Batista Odor fight years ago. That's what I, I initially thought about the knockout punch. And again, like you, you spelled it out, he knocked him out bad. Like he well, hit I mean, the baseball never has good fights. I mean, it's just usually a bunch of guys leaning on each other and finger pointing and yelling and shouting. It, this was a different level as far as, uh, you know, some work got done out there, Chuck. Yeah, I think he was, uh, he was woozy. Tim yeah. Anderson was, I mean, he was, uh, he was playing tough guy when it was over, but he'd gotten decked. And that's, um, you know, when you start throwing fists like that, I mean, that's a real deal. You know, it's not pushing and shoving, as you yeah. say at that point. When you when you square off the way Anderson did, if you've seen the video, I mean, it was, you know, I mean, he was like he was a boxer. Uh, when you square off like that, don't expect the other guy not to throw a punch. Yeah. I mean, don't expect him not to. Is, and, you know, I mean, he just got decked. Is the best baseball fight still... Ryan and Ventura. I always think mountain visits, and I'm not talking know, about that's the, kept Facebook alive for 30 years. Yeah. Pictures and videos of I think the, Ryan beating up Robin Ventura. I think the best one though was uh, Don Zimmer when he was a, Don Zimmer when yeah, he was Pedro assistant Martinez, and, and he didn't get touched, but they bring up the stretcher and the neck brace well, and the whole bit. I mean, that was know, Martinez threw him down. Yeah. I mean, Pedro <laughs> Martinez threw him down. Yeah, but I mean, but they well, were he's like act- 80 years old, man. <laughs> but, but it was it was a little overplayed, wouldn't you agree? I don't know, man. From what I hear, he was hurt. He's an old man. He's an old man. Pedro's throwing him around like a rag doll. Well, Zimmer charged him, and then Pedro just kind of grabbed his back and threw him to the ground. Yeah, you don't throw an old man to the ground. You just don't do that. An old man shouldn't run up there in the middle of a fight either. You guys know better than that. Yeah, I wouldn't. Again, I would abstain. If an 80-year-old man ran, if Clay ran at me, I would not throw <laughs> I would not throw him to the ground. I would be, uh, I would use my... Uh, I'd be more worried about your I'd safety. I'd be cautious, and I'd, I'd make sure I'd just step aside and hope he wouldn't trip mm-hmm. over himself. I would I would abstain from, from throwing Clay Henry to the ground. Yeah. They're like, that's the moral high ground you have to take in this situation. Well, it's good to know that. Uh, just, in, uh, just in case, if me and Clay ever come to Bose at some point in the press box and I think about throwing him out the window. I'll, I will not. I will abstain from doing that at this point. Man, it's 26 days out from Razorback football. I, I'm just ready to get back in Donald W. Reynolds Razorback Stadium. I cannot wait. You have to, to wait a little there. longer for that. Yeah, yeah, so I guess it's, what is it, 26 at plus 7, seven yeah. 33 days yeah. from Fayetteville, 26 from, from Little Rock at this point. You got fall camp that goes through the 21st. You got scrimmages this Saturday, 
next mm-hmm. Saturday, which are closed to the media, so we won't have a glimpse. We'll get a chance to watch it. They put the shoulder pads on yesterday. Full pads go on Thursday, and that's kind of the, the setup these next few days at this point. They'll be excited about those pads, you know, and then there'll be a week there where, man, it's a grind. And then it'll get a little bit closer to game day, and it'll reach a crescendo before they go to Little Rock. But, hey, these guys know what they're doing. They know how to – you know, Coach Pim has done a pretty good job, I think, of, you know, uh, his timing and things like that in terms of how you maneuver preseason and get him ready to play that first game. And um, I'm like you, Ty. I'll be glad when they start playing ball games. Here, here's what I'll say, and this has been noted several times. I don't know SEC football teams are, are big, but if you even – I mean, look, all you got to do is look at a young man, true freshman, Quincy Rhodes, kid out of Little Rock Mills, 6'6", nearly 300 pounds at DN got a big team this year. I'm not going to tell you they're going to win 10 games. I hope they do. Yeah. You've got a big football team this year. A little different than maybe they were the last two years. At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials, glass, wood, plastic. Just ask. You can get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core Jewelry! For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Have you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. Pac-12 has been a tradition. We'll see what shakes out after these couple years with them only having four school institutions right now. I don't know if they're going to go to the Mountain West. I don't know if they're going to pull in Mountain West schools, but we'll have to wait and see. Here's Coach Saban on some of the traditions in college football and certain games going by the wayside. There's a lot of traditions that we've had for a long time in college football, and I think we're in a time of evolution for whatever reasons. And some of those traditions are going to get sort of pushed by the wayside, I think. And it's sad. Whether it's good, bad, or indifferent for college football, I guess you have to define what is good and bad for college football. So I think one thing I would just hope that we would keep in mind in all the choices and decisions we make relative to what we do in college athletics is the student-athlete. He brings up, again, the important element, the tail end of that. Guys, the SEC traditions, for the most part, are staying the same with the rivalries they kept intact with the additions of Oklahoma and Texas. But Pac-12, Big Ten, and now Big 12, it's completely changed the outlooks of those leagues. There will be new traditions. You know, that will happen over the course of time. And, you know, for example, um, you know, we've developed new traditions over the last 30 years. And traditions that... You know, certainly were not traditions before. And so that's going to happen for all of them. The SEC's done a better job, perhaps, than, than some at preserving their rivalries, their old rivalries, and there will be some new rivalries, too. The Big Ten's still going to have Michigan and Ohio State. There are still going to be rivalries within that conference. Washington and Oregon, I suspect, will become a rivalry. USC and UCLA has always been, will always be a rivalry. There are still going to be rivalry games out there. Now, whether or not they mean as much, I don't know. Like, let's say Oregon continues to play Oregon State or Oklahoma, closer to home, continues to play Oklahoma State. Are those games going to mean as much? 
because they're not conference games. Now, Clemson and South Carolina, they've had some bloodbaths over there. But they've also had some games that weren't any good. So we'll just have to see how all that plays out. But there will be new rivalries that will develop in college football. And there'll be rivalries that develop in the other sports, too. They'll just be different and they'll be new. I think it's ironic and it's obvious why we would turn to Nick Saban's voice to you know hear what he thinks because we all want to know. But he's a big part of the reason that many of these things are happening, right? Because everybody's been trying to keep up with him. You know, the, the revenues have been raised in the SEC because of his success mm-hmm. in large part. So, I mean, you can't pin it all on him and it's his fault that's happening. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying Nick Saban has been in many ways the catalyst that started a lot of the evolution as he's talking about a college football because a lot of people have rode the coattails of that man right there to bigger salaries, bigger TV deals, more high-profile positions. Saban's success at Alabama has been at the nucleus of what has gone on in college football for 10 years. It's had a lot to do with it, no doubt about it. Now, I think you've got to go back further than that. I think you've got to go back to Roy Kramer. Uh, Roy Kramer is the one that started all this. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's when all this began. And I don't suspect that he envisioned it would be quite like this. But I do think he was the one that really uh, had the vision of what bigger conferences could mean in terms of television revenue. But I do think that the pendulum has swung so far now that we've confused where the scoreboard really lies. And, you know, we're going to, again, we're going to have teams that just aren't going to win as many games. I wonder when, when you present this to an Arkansas fan, and again, we've talked about Texas and Oklahoma joining the league. We'll see what happens with Clemson, Florida State, maybe some other SEC schools. You brought up the idea of the 12-man playoff because, we again, we have to factor that in as well. Mm-hmm. With the addition and the nucleus changing within college sports of the different conferences, will we see the parity help or hurt? Arkansas. That's what our fans listening well, care about. Is does this I help I, us? I don't think what's happening right now affects Arkansas, Ty. I, I I just I just don't. I think it does down the line because we're debating about what's coming next in the ACC and if the ACC dissolves or eventually becomes less of what it is and you add two more SEC institutions or four more SEC institutions, that directly affects Arkansas. Now you look at those teams kind of farther east, you say it's not as big of a deal. You might not play him as much, but I think it does. I think it affects Arkansas, just not right now in its current state. There's an indirect effect. The league certainly becomes harder to win. The league's going to be harder to win with Oklahoma and Texas in there. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about that. But I, I, don't think, yeah. I don't think Oklahoma and Texas, what's happening there, I don't think what happens there, what's happening at these other schools right now affects Arkansas right now. Now, you're right. We don't know the long-term effects. But I think from an Arkansas perspective right now, I mean – you're just sticking to your knitting. We got plenty of stuff to do before we even get into the conversation about a college football playoff and whether an expanded league is going to help or hurt. Let's not jump from point A to point D. We got B and C to go through. Let's get to the contending stage, and then we'll be able to figure out whether it helps or hurts. We're not there yet. Yeah. Now, you know, I think we may get there, but let's not act like we're in that conversation right now. I think we're closer than we were certainly two or three years ago, no doubt about it. But let's get to the point where we're contending every year and we're in that conversation, and then we'll know whether it helped or hurt. Right now, I don't think it moves the needle. Does the SEC have to make a move? Are, are they fine at six, the 16 schools they have because the roster's deep and it is quality laden? Do you have to make a move to, to stay up with 18 or 20 teams or – are you okay with the 16 if you have in if comparison? If your revenue can stay the same with what you've already promised the current 16 schools and you can add in Clemson and Florida State for either the same or less than, but it does not take away from the revenue that is currently promised or currently projected to be promised, then yes, you should make that move from an SEC from a Greg Sankey standpoint. Now, from an Arkansas standpoint you would be better off not. But if you're talking about the SEC, if you're talking about Greg Sankey's shoes, yes, you make that move. Hunter would, I don't think Hunter would be in favor of that. I don't know why you would be if you're an Arkansas fan, why you'd be in favor of adding Florida State and Clemson to this league, to this already brutal league. Well, I don't know what their view is going to be on that. Um, when the SEC expands, if the SEC expands again, I think there are some natural candidates, and I think there was, those are two of them right there. North Carolina and Virginia are the others. Uh, 
Um, I think the grant of rights deal that we hear about with the ACC, I think that's a nuisance, but I don't think it's something that you can't overcome. I think there's always a way, and I think there will be a way uh, when and if the time comes that the SEC wants those schools. Um, I think the a lot of these ACC schools have legal fights that they're going to have to fight. Florida State and Clemson being two of them. And if it comes to Virginia and North Carolina, they're going to have legal fights as well if they're going to try to get out of all this. So I think you sit and you watch and you let that play out. Um, right now, I don't think the SEC's got to do anything. Now, 12 months from now, would they? Six months from now? Two weeks from now? Well, maybe. <laughs> but I don't think they have to. Yeah. I mean, I just think at, at the end, I think you come back to the, to the right way to analyze it. Why would you want to dilute your conference revenue? Because that's essentially what's going to happen. How much larger can the TV deal for the Big Ten grow to keep the, the pieces of the pie? And they're going to yeah. be half shares, but guess guess who's paying for those half shares until a new TV deal comes along? The existing members of the Big Ten, right? And one thing to remember, your football championship game doesn't sell more tickets. Your baseball tournament, your men's basketball tournament, all these other things that add a little bit to the conference pot of revenue you add two more teams does that does that mean there's more money for that game no so the it, bean it, counters it being, don't play on saturday right but the players play on saturday and how fans feel about their program has a lot more to do with the outcome of the game than how much money they're making because it doesn't affect the fans i mean it just doesn't that's not the scoreboard and if your team's not doing as well as you think they ought to be look at what happened to us when we joined the league, look at what happened to us. Jack Crow was our head coach in that transition year. We fired him after the Citadel game. Joe Kynes, Danny Ford. By the time they hired Houston Nutt, we'd already had three coaches. I know Coach Broyles privately worried that we'd made the wrong decision. And uh, it wasn't really until Houston Nutt came in that, you know, I think he felt like we had a chance to compete. Um, there are going to be major growing pains for a lot of these schools that move. And if they're not careful, they're going to end up cycling through coaches the way we did, and you're end up you're going to end up paying a lot of guys not to coach. What do you think? I wonder about Oklahoma. Yeah, will, will Venables even survive if they don't have a seven or eight win year? Will he even get to the SEC table? You know, I wonder about that this year. They are potentially on the verge of disappearing, like Nebraska is. Has well, I is, disagree with that. Oklahoma is one ten forty eight and eight all-time against SEC schools. 110, 48, and 8. They'll be fine. Don't, well, don't, don't. You're making a mistake if you're right. Now, look, you may be right about Venables. They may not have the right guy, yeah. but Oklahoma's going to be fine. Well, I would, again, I don't have that stat offhand what Nebraska's record is, but it, at one point they were one of the most national relevant programs well, in college football. But and they, they weren't at the time they moved. They were not at the time they moved. They'd had a series of bad hires up there. They were not at the time they moved. Well, you could debate that Venables was a bad hire. You're, this is not Stoops. This I is not Lincoln that, Riley. But Oklahoma is still a lot better off yeah. than what Nebraska and, was when they moved to the Big Ten. A lot better off. And their current and future recruiting grounds going from the Big 12 to the SEC are far more compatible than what Nebraska had to do That's going fair. from from the Big 8, Big 12 to the Big 10. Told, totally different recruiting What's going to be interesting in this, there's no question when you look at the numbers, the one school out there that has benefited the most from realignment over the last 23 years is Texas A&M. What does Oklahoma and Texas coming into the league do to the Aggies? I would submit to you that Texas A&M probably is affected more by the additions of Texas and Oklahoma than Arkansas or anybody else in the league. I'm going to be interested to see what their numbers look like over the next five years because they've had that region to themselves in terms of the SEC ever since they joined the league. That's part of the reason Texas and Oklahoma are making the jumps. Not the only reason, but it's part mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to be interested to see how all this affects the Aggies. Yeah, and you mentioned, again, Texas A&M when they came over at this point. And the argument that I've made, because I know a lot of people, you're excited about playing Texas next year. You're excited about playing Oklahoma in future years, going to Norman, or them coming to Fayetteville. And I know the enticement is getting to play schools that are close in the case of Norman and then an old rival in Texas. But it's going to do more damage than positives to Arkansas's football program, those joining the league. All you have to do is look at what's happening in College Station. 
You have beaten Texas A&M one time since they have joined the league. Your worst decade has been the past 10 years as an Arkansas football program since joining the SEC. You've had no SEC West appearances in the title game, and now you're adding two schools that you've had the advantage of of being in the better conference for however long, since 92. And now you're basically, the one-up that you had on them was now you were playing the SEC. You don't have that anymore. That's an interesting part of this whole dynamic for Arkansas football is how that affects this football program moving forward. Because Texas A&M has killed you over and over and over again well, each and every year. And killed you. So what is, I'm not sure the point you're making. Are you saying Oklahoma and... When yeah, this, when this lost to A and M, but I'm when, not sure you're how you're tying in Oklahoma Tech. When this initially broke, I immediately said this is going to do more harm than good for Arkansas football. But what does losing A and M have to do with that? I guess I'm trying to tie all of your point together. Okay. Pardon me. So recruiting wise, as a former Southwest Conference school, until 2012, you had an advantage over. Texas A&M, Texas, Oklahoma in the sense of we're the lone SEC school that's as close to all the Texas kids to have that, which is, again, the fertile hotbed that Arkansas is the closest to. Now when you lock, walk into a young man's living room and you're pitching him on Arkansas, I know there's various other aspects you get into as well if you're Sam Pittman and the rest of the staff, you no longer have the advantage of saying we're the lone SEC school close to home. They can go to Texas A&M. They can go to Oklahoma. They can go to Texas. And again, Arkansas's worst decade in the SEC has been the last 10 years. It's inarguable. So now, again, you are adding two more schools who are you're excited to play, excited to match up against. But you're adding two more schools in your neck of the woods for recruiting. That's going to make it that much more difficult for Sam and everyone else here in Fayetteville. That's what I'm arguing, is that Texas and Oklahoma, while it's fun on paper... It's not fun when you're walking to a young man's living room. It's not. You can't. Well, we just have to see how all that plays out. If Arkansas has success on the field, Arkansas is recruiting. You know, they can walk in, go toe to toe with any of them. Uh, if they don't have success on the field, they can't. The first order of business is let's get beyond six and six. Let's get to the point where we're winning eight nine every year. And that's a big if, man. That's a mouthful. I mean, to sit here and make it sound like casually that's just going to happen, man. I mean, that's hard to do. And it's certainly going to be more difficult, as you say, with Texas and Oklahoma coming in. I'm in full agreement with you on, on, on that. But let's, um, let's not get the cart before the horse. Let's get beyond where we are right now. And you know, then we'll start you know, talking about championships and long-term effects. Uh, if Arkansas has a good year this year, they'll recruit well. And Oklahoma and Texas will have their work cut out for them recruiting against the Razorbacks. Maybe not the other way around, but the first order of business is improving upon where you were last year. One of the things you're hoping gets better is the passing game this upcoming season. And again, we've gotten to see a couple days of fall camp to this point. And one of the guys that at least has stood out early is Andrew Armstrong. Here's Coach Pittman on the Texas A&M Commerce transfer wide receiver. He's fast and he's big. You know, it's kind of, I'm an old D2 player, you know, where I was in AIA, but they're D2 now. It's kind of neat to bring a couple guys from Division Two ball that had, you know, they both, I think, had about 1,000 yards in catches, and then they developed later. He's talking about Armstrong and then Isaac Tesla as well. Tommy, we'll get to see maybe a better idea come this Thursday when they put on, put on full pads, and it's a little more physical at that point. Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't get too wound up or carried away about one play. And, Chuck, you brought up a good point. This is in the first 20 minutes is what people get to see. You're not seeing the full practice. You're really seeing about 10, 15% of the entire practice. I just, I hate getting carried away that projecting what that one play means to what kind of year he's going to have. He may have a, a thousand yard year. We'll wait and see, but it's not going to be because of the one play everyone got to see on Friday. No, but I think that we do know that Armstrong and Tesla and, and you know, there's some others I could name that you know, they need them to play well. They need them to be an integral part of the offense. And so, you know, Armstrong's a guy coming out of the spring that I think they felt like, you know, could really be a go-to guy. And, you know, we've talked, and you know, Matt Jones always brings this up, you know, Traylon Burks, how, you know, the comfort level that K.J. had with him came from the fact that K.J. knew that 
you know, worst came to worst, he just throw it. You know, he just throw it toward Burks, and there's a pretty <laughs> good chance he's going to catch it. And um, I'm not saying Armstrong's trailing Burks. I'm not suggesting that, but I do think you need a guy. It's preferably a big guy that you know you can throw the ball to or throw the ball at, and there's a pretty good chance he's going to come away with it. Big, strong, fast. Generally, that's the prototype for that sort of player. Yeah, what, do they, what do they call that in the NFL? Uh, the hundred hundred balls, so you know, just just throw it up there. So. Fifty fifty balls. Yeah, man. you gotta have them. Andrew, go and hunt. Armstrong, his measurable is about six four, two hundred one. Tesla six four. Broden six seven. So you got some guys from a height standpoint that you have some advantage of on quarterbacks. We'll see what KJ connects up starting in twenty six days. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the Natty State. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.